Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What's up, everybody? We're live once again from inside Wingnuts. I don't know, Ryan Talbot, Buffalo's best chicken wing. Every time we come in here and we eat these things, they get better and better. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football bot podcast brought to you, as always, by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Kings Hawaiian Slider Sunday uh, Million Dollar Showdown is still happening. Can you believe this? You can win $1 million, Ryan. $1 million. I tell you guys this every week. I'm waiting to hear from somebody that tells me that they won the $1 million. So enter uh, each week. King's Wine is pitting two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown. And you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone to enter. Hello, Ryan Talbot. Hey, how's it going, Matt? Super Bowl tomorrow. Couldn't think of a better place to be on the eve of the Super Bowl. Like you said, Buffalo's best wings, some great beers, and some good times. Great turnout here by the Bills Mafia. So we're here one night before Wing Nuts is going to do a blowout Super Bowl Sunday. And they're introducing, you tweeted it out earlier today, the wing flight. So they do beer flights, right? If you've come in here, Froth Brewery, they got these amazing flights. You got to try all the beers. But they also have all these amazing player flavors of chicken wings. And now you could try them all. It looks pretty spectacular. Yeah. And listen, it's brilliant. How many times have you gone to a restaurant and you don't want to try something new? Because if you get 10, 12 of them, you might not like it. This is perfect. You get everything. And listen, you're going to love every wing here. You are going to like every wing there. And they're playing our video in the background. So we got to really focus in and dial in with everybody watching at home and right here inside Wing Nuts. And we're going to do that. We're going to take you through a couple things tonight. First off, we're going to preview the Super Bowl because you're going to put out an article uh, a little bit later tonight that I think is going to be really exciting to talk about, but also the game itself. I mean, listen, it's not the Bills, but we wait all year long for the Super Bowl, and now it's kind of you know uh, a Kansas City team that the Bills played earlier this season, a Philadelphia Eagles team that the Bills are going to play next season. It's going to be a fun one to get in. So what are your first thoughts about this game? You know, first thoughts, there's always ties to Buffalo, man. You have Nick Sirianni, a Western New York kid, Southwestern, Jamestown area. Uh, close to where I grew up in Salamanca. So kind of neat seeing someone from this area coaching in the Super Bowl. Should be a really fun game. Matchups are good. Uh, injury reports are pretty clean for both teams. And I'm intrigued to see how it plays out because, you know, the Chiefs looked like they were on the verge of a dynasty after their first Super Bowl, and then they ran into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
you go into this matchup, you look at Philadelphia, and they have the pass rushes to kind of replicate what Tampa Bay was able to do a few years ago. So can they do that, or will Kansas City maybe get back on track with the second Super Bowl? One of the things I'm super excited to watch in this game is Patrick Mahomes because it's interesting. So much was made about the injury a couple weeks ago, and now I feel like things are kind of flipping a little bit. Now now people are more concerned about Jalen Hurts' shoulder in this game and what is going to be the injury that impacts that pers- that quarterback's team a little bit more. Mahomes against this defense, they're really good at all three levels. They have a rotational line a lot like the Bills do. They they ask a lot of different guys to do a lot of different things. They have elite edge rushers. Hassan Reddick has been one of the best in the NFL all season. They got some real playmakers on the interior in Fletcher Cox, Ndamukong Suze even doing some things for them. And then maybe the best cornerback combo in the league. And it's funny, you start to think about what could have been for the Bills. We spent a couple off seasons talking about James Bradbury. He's been really, really good for the Eagles. And one of the reasons that secondary has been so dominant. Yeah, Slay, Bradbury, uh, you know, a little, little teaser, I guess, from my article coming up. Even Marcus Epps at safety uh, reminds me a little bit about Jordan Poyer in, in terms of his development. 27 years old, comes on, has this unbelievable season, free agent next year. One of the targets I can see the Bills pursuing. Outstanding in run defense, uh, a little bit of a liability in coverage at times, but that back end is no joke, Matt. Is one of the targets that, uh, in the article, Miles Sanders? It is not. No running backs. I am I'm anti-running back in free agency, Matt. So I share that opinion, but I actually do think that Miles Sanders has the skill set that I'd be intrigued about at the right price tag. And that's what it's got to be. It's got to be the right price tag because you're looking at Devin Singletary. And what is it going to cost to get him back? And maybe the Bills move on completely. They look at free agency elsewhere, maybe a lower end contract, or maybe they draft a guy late in the round, or get another guy like an Antonio Williams, uh, a, a Raheem a Blackshear, who went on to Carolina and had some success. Maybe you lean on that as a third running back. I don't know if Naheem Hines is a guarantee to be back next year. It's $4.5 million that you can add to your salary cap if you just move on completely. He was really good. He had some big moments, obviously, uh, with the kickoff returns, but that's still a question mark out there. I'm going to be watching Miles Sanders in this game because I think he can have an impact in that game mostly because of the offensive line that he plays behind. Yeah, and listen, when it comes to Miles Sanders, there's a lot of really good running backs hitting the mark in free agency, potentially. You could get a guy like Tony Pollard getting franchise tagged. I was reading today, the Cowboys were interested in that. uh, Saquon Barkley might reach a long-term deal before free agency starts with the Giants. So if there's a lot of guys out in the market, it might saturate the market, and a guy like Miles Sanders might make sense. But you mentioned Raheem Blackshear, an undrafted free agent that made some noise in Carolina. There's Isaiah Pacheco tomorrow in the Super Bowl for Kansas City, seventh-round pick. You can get these gems late in the draft or after the draft. So it's easy to say I would like to bring in a difference maker running back. And listen, you saw what Christian McCaffrey did with the 49ers. But it's also pretty nice to, to get someone that's on cost control for three, four, five seasons. I can't wait for the game. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, we're going to all be watching from our houses or parties or whatever. Hopefully, wing nuts if you're in Buffalo and you can get out here, check everything out tomorrow. Let's transition a little bit to the Bills. There's been a lot of news this week. You know, Bills fans were clamoring for big moves at the coaching positions. You know, a lot of heat on Leslie Frazier after the way that, that Cincinnati Bengals went game went. Apparently, he's still on the, uh, on the coaching staff. We'll see how that transpires. Over the next couple of weeks, the next time we get a chance to talk to Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean will be 
in Indianapolis at the scouting combine. But the Bills did make a move on the defensive side of the ball, and they added Al Holcomb, former linebackers coach, and then this past year, interim defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. I absolutely love this move. We were talking a little bit about it before we started the show. We'll get to Chad Hall in a moment. But for me, Holcomb feels like a guy that's going to be coach in waiting, if you will. And it could be a multitude of things. You know, maybe things don't work out with Bobby Babich and you and you look to implement him in a linebacker specific role. You know, if you don't bring Tremaine Edmonds back next season, you're going to have to develop Ter- Terrell Bernard. And I don't know if there's many guys in the NFL that meet the criteria of Al Holcomb to have a voice in that room. And then you look at what's the exit plan from Leslie Frazier, even if it doesn't happen this year. Who's going to replace him? Eric Washington? I think he's he's more on the hot seat than he is close to a, a promotion. So I think Al Holcomb comes in here, a guy that was had a lot of success as a short-term D.C. in Carolina last year and maybe could be in line to be the replacement for Leslie Frazier. Yeah, he could even be the, the stepping stone in between. Let's just say something goes wrong with Leslie Frazier and they replace him in season with Holcomb. Bobby Babb, which is a name you mentioned, I think he's viewed as a potential defensive coordinator around this league. And, and maybe when the Bills feel like he's ready, he steps into that uh, role. But maybe that's the, the stepping stone in between. Holcomb, I love it. I love what he brings to this team. And I've seen some criticism on social media. But remember, Bills fans, a lot of you were clamoring for Steve Wilkes. He had that Carolina connection. He had that connection with Sean McDermott. It's okay to bring in some coaches that have worked with him before. Holcomb, too. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw Luke Keekley maybe at uh, Bill's training camp coming in for a few days, helping out a little bit, coaching up the guys. He was someone that absolutely loves Al Holcomb. Uh, there's nothing, there's n- no negatives with bringing in a veteran uh, who has a great mind for the defense side of the ball. The Chad Hall news that dropped a few days ago here, uh, might have been yesterday actually. You know, really shook Bill's Twitter a little bit because this is one of the guys, I think if you look at the assistant coaches on both sides of the ball, one of the, you know, if you were talking about like, you know, from a political standpoint, approval rating, right? Chad Halls would have been through the roof. The work that he's done with Stefan Diggs, the way that Diggs has raved about him. Gabe Davis, for as much as you might want to criticize him for maybe a lackluster year three in some departments. The development of a fourth round wide receiver, I think, you know, he'd credit Chad Hall with a lot of that. He moves on, makes a lateral move to Jacksonville, which I, you know, the first look at it without getting a chance to talk to anybody involved, it's a little bit troubling, right? Like, he's, you know, he was getting some interviews with Baltimore for offensive coordinator. This is now a move to do the same thing in a different city. His contract was reportedly up, but him choosing to do it elsewhere I think is a little bit of a concern or maybe and we'll get if we can get any answers on this. Was it the Bills looking for a new voice in that room? I, I'd be surprised if that was the case. Yeah, I would be very surprised if that if the latter was the case. Gabe Davis was just recently making his rounds with the media for Super Bowl week and he's saying the praises of Chad Hall. He had a social media post about how Jax Moe's getting a you know, like one of the best coaches. These wide receivers loved Chad Hall. They bought him a truck, what, two years ago, 2020? Uh, They surprised him at Christmas. So this was someone that they loved. And and listen, a lot of fans will say, how do you measure the development of wide receiver and when you inherit a number one in Stephon Diggs? But at the same time, you have Gabe Davis who's come along. You have Isaiah McKenzie who had maybe his most productive season 
as a receiver this year. Um, you saw what Isaiah Hodgins did with the Giants. Maybe Chad Hall deserves some credit for that, too. When it comes to Hall, I almost wonder, Matt, if it, this was simply a move where he said, I want to eventually, I want to get to an offensive coordinator position or a head coaching position sooner rather than later. And maybe in Buffalo, it was going to be too hard for him to climb that ladder. Uh, there's a lot of guys there in waiting. Ken Dorsey, obviously, an offensive coordinator now. Quarterbacks coach has some uh, experience, too. I think Chad Hall going to Jacksonville is kind of him going out, proving himself at another destination, bringing along some wide receivers, which, by the way, that's a nice little wide receiver room they have in Jacksonville. Kelvin Ridley this year, too, coming up, who they traded for at the deadline. That might uh, help accelerate him into that offensive coordinator and eventually kind of a head coach role way down the road. That's an excellent, excellent observation because how much have we talked about this coaching staff offensively over the last 365 days? Who do we mention? Ken Dorsey. We mentioned Joe Brady. We even mentioned Aaron Cromer. Chad Hall's kind of like an afterthought at times. And he's done a really good job developing a lot of players. People forget Isaiah McKenzie was a practice squad throwaway for the Denver Broncos. He developed him. John Brown came here, had the best season of his career. Cole Beasley has credited Chad Chad Hall with a lot of his development in Buffalo after putting together a lot of good years in Dallas. So I think that's a really good point from the perspective of giving yourself a chance to double down on your success that you've had and prove it in a different environment away from maybe Dable Dorsey. Yeah, and that's just it. That's the fastest way to accelerate the process. I think it's almost why maybe you even saw Davis Webb and spend another year away from the coaching game. And now he wants to get into it. I think he thought, you know, in Buffalo, people would say, well, uh, this is something where I already know the room and all that. He wanted one more year to quarterback. I think he's going to go out somewhere else, maybe get a quarterback coaching job, and then he could come back to Buffalo. It's all about kind of proving yourself over time. And when it comes to Chad Hall, he's already proven himself in Buffalo, Matt. Now you go to Jacksonville, you inherit a pretty nice wide receiver room, you prove yourself there for one year, and then you get, I don't want to say his offensive coordinator interview wasn't serious, but you're, think, you're thought of as more serious of a candidate, and you're getting more interviews next year. And that's just kind of how the process works in this league. Sometimes you need to leave a place where you're comfortable and get that opportunity elsewhere. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm at Bruno. We're inside Wing Nuts uh, in North Buffalo, 700 Military Road. We're doing a series of live shows here because the vibes are off the charts. The wings are absolutely delicious and the beers are always flowing. The beer list is crazy. So you had, what was it? The honey garlic sriracha sauce. I didn't have it yet. I wasn't. Yeah, sriracha, honey, garlic. Unbelievable. We had the honey garlic last time. Fantastic. And then we've talked about the mild. The mild is like their staple. No matter what wing you order, you're going to leave happy when you're at Wing Nuts. So we're brought to you by Tops, of course. But we're also brought to you by Value Home Centers. And right now you can join Value's text center or text program uh, by, by texting uh, B-A-L-U to 80692. You'll receive exclusive coupons, see the weekly deal, and so much more. Head over to valuehomecenters.com. Check out that latest uh, advertisement. Get yourself a really, really good deal. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Um, before we move on to one other segment that I wanted to get to tonight, anything more on the free agents to watch tomorrow? Because I am kind of interested in who you have tab for Bills fans to watch tomorrow. Yeah, well, there's one offensive lineman for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll wait till it's pub. Uh, for you guys to check that out. But he had a really good end of the year in pass protection from week 11 on, about one pressure in terms of quarterback uh, pass protection, pretty good in run protection, only 30 years old, someone that I think could come in immediately and fill a void for the Bills. Uh, And then you have a wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs that will not be playing tomorrow, but I think he would give a deep. Uh, McCall Hardman. Uh. Uh, There's that spoiler, yes. You know, McCole Hardman, you you look at a lot of the different sites, though. One projection had him at $11 million. Out on that number. Yeah, I'm out. And I say that in the article. I'm out completely. I don't see him getting that kind of money. He played eight games this year. Uh, He's never really come close to 1,000 yards as a receiver. He has a a certain skill set, but he's that deep threat that you can use. You can use him as a return man. If the price is right, um, McCole Hardman is someone I'd keep an eye on. So we have a pretty clear idea of what... The salary cap is at right now. Okay. The bills are about 21 ish million over the salary cap. So Brandon Bean has work to do before they can even start to consider some of these moves that you're talking about in this article. You know, Mike Gennetti, spotrack.com, try to work with him, maybe get him on the show here in the next week or two. Uh, that'll be really cool. By the way, we got a big show on Monday. Don't forget to tune into this. Uh, let me break into the, the episode to let you know Lee Smith, former Bills tight end will be on a special edition of Shout 5 p.m. Eastern time on Monday. So check that out. If the Bills restructure Josh Allen, it's $20 million that you're adding right there. There's a roster bonus that Von Miller's do that apparently if they uh, restructure that, they can make that into $10 million of camp space this year. So now you got $10 million to work with just based on that. And that is before you even start to think about the roster restructure or the you know, cap casualties, everything from that perspective. There's two names, though, that I want to get into on this specific episode. Tremaine Edmonds and Mitch Morse. Mitch Morse is on under contract next season. Should he be? Should the Bills keep him going into next season? Tremaine Edmonds is not. Should the Bills go out and sign him? Let's uh, kind of play a little ping pong here and discuss those two players and some thoughts on, on where the Bills should go there. Yeah, listen, Mitch Morris, from a leadership perspective, from a playing perspective, he's still playing at a high level. He's still a great teammate for this team, someone you want. But the cap hit, the concussion history, it's concerning. Uh, The lineman I have from the Eagles, again, a spoiler for tomorrow, he can play all three offensive lines on the uh, spots on the interior. Ryan Bates can play all three spots on the interior. You can draft a John Michael Schmitz in uh, round one, round two of this year's draft. And you can get the best draft 
uh, center in this year's draft class. There's options. It's a tough decision, though, when you get someone like that. I would rather almost go to him and see if there's a way to lower that number, uh, keep him under contract here in Buffalo, and, and do something in that regard. Tremaine Edmonds, though, Matt, that's so tough. Because what does Brandon Bean always say? Draft, develop, resign. And they've done that with quite a few players. But you start to lose. You, you don't have as much money anymore. And this is someone that's projected to get about $15 million per year on average based on projections. And it could be more, it could be less. You hear a lot of other coaches throughout his career praise Edmonds, what he brings, what he does. There's not a lot of linebackers like him from a size, speed, athleticism perspective. I think the Bills would like to bring him back, but I think if he hits the open market, they're going to be hard-pressed to do so. So the Morse thing is interesting to me because, first off, there's a path to what this offensive line can look like without him. And, you know, one person on the roster right now, Ryan Bates, is really intriguing from the fa- just from the simple fact that he's played center before. And then they have to really evaluate that. How much do they feel comfortable turning the keys over to him full time? Aaron Cromer is going to have to have a lot of buy-in into that situation. But it, even if it's a one-year situation, you know the fact that he does he's pretty durable. He's pretty tough. He missed some time this year. But they can restructure his contract and get his cap hit down this year. And then you go out there and you mention uh, John Michael Schmitz. That's one name to look at, look at. Another one is Osiris Torrance out of Florida. If he's available there, a blue chipper at guard. You draft him, you release Mitch Morris. As much as kind of personally, I would hate that. He's he's so good. Like we gave Deion Dawkins the um, Ken Hall stand-up guy award, right? Mitch Morris was had to be a finalist. I didn't see the final numbers, but you know I voted for him as one of the three names that I can get in here. He's great with the media. He's got a great family. He's been great in Buffalo, but it's a business, and sometimes you got to make really hard business decisions. If you move on from Morris, you add that money back. You got to ask yourself the question. How much are you losing? How much impact does that have on Josh Allen? The familiarity between Morris and Allen, it's really important. It's huge. But at the same time, and it wasn't just Mitch Morris's fault, I feel like Josh Allen lost confidence in his offensive line this past season. The way that he felt pressure was going to be coming, I think the way he escaped the pocket, sometimes we didn't need to. But he knew more times than not it was going to break down. A lot of times it was the interior. It was Roger Saffold. It was Mitch Morris. It was Ryan Bates. And obviously we've talked a lot about Spencer Brown to at right tackle. Uh, but if you can upgrade your line, get younger, and get more cost control there, I'm not against it. And, you know, I mentioned John Michael Schmitz, but this is a deep center draft, Matt. You can get some good centers round three, round four in this year's draft that could potentially come in and start day one. For Tremaine Edmonds, this is the toughest of all the tough ones because I put out a tweet about him the other day, and you go through the replies, and there's 20 – Positive reactions, 20 negative reactions to anything that you say about it. The Bills spent a lot of time developing him, right? And I feel like it's a feather in Bobby Babbage's cap that he had his best season under him this season. Now, a lot of that probably had to do with the fact that he's playing next to Matt Milano, who was already a beast, and Edmonds himself has been kind of trending in this direction. But if you're talking about the, the number is going to be the key for me. If you can get it to be like 14 or lower per season and a first year cap hit of around 11 and a half, 12 million, I'm in on that. Find a way to get that done. But Mike Gennetti, he made a good point that, you know, his valuation on him just from an eye test perspective could reach up to 17, 18. 
And to me, that's just probably going to be too high, knowing how much they still have to do at other positions. Knowing how much you have to do other positions and also knowing the fact that you've already invested in linebacker with Matt Milano. You and you probably want to re-sign him and extend him. It might cost you even more to get him under contract. Right. So, you know, Brandon Bean said something at his end-of-the-year press conference where they put different values on different positions. And I think linebacker, the Bills value the linebacker more than a lot of other teams do in the NFL. But at the same time, 17, 18 million, how do you manage that? You you know, he's Brandon Bean and company are very good at cap hit numbers, low numbers some years and others, but it eventually catches up to you if you have too many guys under contract at steep cap hits like that. So like you said, if you can get the first year cap hit around 11 million, I'm all in on that. He's coming off of his best season. He's still one of the younger players in, on this roster, and he's going to get better theoretically. From an offensive line perspective, I, I don't know how there's going to be a way that unless both defensive lines just own both offenses tomorrow in this game, that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott don't watch the Super Bowl and sit there and think to themselves, man, we have to do everything we can to build a fortress in front of Josh Allen this offseason. And there's plenty of ways to do it. I mean, you know, restructuring something, bringing it, finding the right guys in free agency. Brandon Bean's done this before. Like, listen, like, I think we could safely say at this juncture that Roger Saffold, Greg uh, Mance, Greg Van Roten, David Questenberry, all like from an ideology perspective, I didn't mind the approach this offseason. Bringing in a bunch of different names and seeing how it shook out. It didn't really work out, though. So now you have to kind of flush the deck and do what they did in 19 and 20 when they brought in really good free agent positions. I think they, I think they missed John Feliciano this year. Yeah, they did. And listen, Feliciano, he was a lightning rod too in terms of opinions from the fan base, some good games, some down games. Uh, but you have to, you can't go with those. I don't want to say bottom of the barrel free agents. That's not fair to them. But you need to bring in some more proven guys that have the starting experience that you feel could come in and start immediately. Not bring in four or five guys that you say they're going to compete for a roster spot and maybe a, a starting job. You need more proven entities. You need players that could make, be, uh, be a difference maker for this offensive line in, in 2023. And you can get that in free agency. There's a few guys that I like at the right price. And again, pretty deep draft class in my opinion at center pretty good at guard tackles always tough because everyone wants a tackle and they'll go faster than uh, a lot of people assume so one of the things i've seen kind of get sprinkled out there some of these wide receivers that could end up being a trade candidate or get cut by their current teams and so somebody that might hit the open market you know two names that come to mind off the top mike evans from tampa bay is potentially a trade target and then uh, Keenan Allen from the Los Angeles Chargers. Do either of those names do anything for you? There's some guys that we talked about earlier, uh, you know, the Jerry Judys of the world, Michael Pittman's of the world of maybe like, you know, trade candidates. Ed Oliver maybe in the mix there. I don't know if the Bills would actually do that because I think the Ed Oliver thing is interesting because no matter what you think about where he's reached in terms of his development, He's still been an important cog in that starting lineup, and they rotate a lot of guys. If you move on from him, you're going to have to have a real answer for replacing him. So I don't think it's as easy as like, oh, just trade at Oliver, go get a wide receiver, and all things right in the world. There's going to be a void there. But if there is a trade candidate that piques your fancy or maybe a cut candidate elsewhere, what's a name that maybe you're that's popped up and you thought, okay, that is a viable option, maybe something more than you can get on the free agent market? 
Well, of the names you just mentioned, I, I'm a huge Keenan Allen fan. I love his game. The only problem with him is it feels like he has lower body injuries, and a lot of times he plays through them. He is not he has not missed a ton of time in years past. This year he did. He missed some time on the field. But Keenan Allen would be a, an outstanding addition to this wide receiver room, Matt. Uh, Mike Evans, you know, I, I think Mike Evans is probably the the best wide receiver of that class. But of those two, Keenan Allen definitely makes sense. And I know you said avoid the free agents, but there was a name in your article that you put out recently. I like Paris Campbell. I, I like him from a speed perspective, the deep threat, and I think the money is going to be right on him. Yeah, the thing with Mike Evans for me is he's been healthier than Keenan Allen, but he still tends to get dinged up a little bit. It's going to be a high price tag. I think, to me, the way to go about it is what the Bills have done in previous seasons anyway, where they've gone out and drafted a couple receivers. I mean, they had success when they went out and got Gabriel Davis, and Isaiah Hodges was a success when he got an opportunity. I don't necessarily think the opportunity was here in Buffalo for him, but I think the Bills have two position groups that have to be an emphasis in this draft offensive line and wide receiver you can't come out of this draft without two of each in my opinion yeah and i agree with that but now you also have to sit there and say who's going to become the wide receiver coach for this team because whoever it is they're going to be tasked with developing one of those rookies i would anticipate the bills spending one of their first three picks on a wide receiver i think that's a fair assumption uh, either on day one or day two and you need to get them up to speed quickly. So you just lost Chad Hall, widely respected by this locker room, widely respect, respected around this league. So now you need to find someone that can come in and develop as well because, like you said, it, it this is a key position for the Bills in addition to offensive line. You know what a key position is? Your position in line at the Topps Carryout Cafe. Go get yourself some great goodies for the big game. Uh, perfect for game day, any day. Visit Topps Carryout Cafe for hot to go, fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizzas, fourteen dollars. Jumbo chicken wings, the ten count for fourteen dollars. The legendary breakfast pizza, a large is twenty bucks. Pizza or taco log, six count, seven sixty nine. Baby back rib sections, five ninety nine a pound. Sub sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com/slash/redzone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. All right, so. We're going to get going here in a minute, but before we do, the big game is tomorrow. Kansas City Chiefs versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Give your prediction and why are they going to win? Yeah, I'm going Philadelphia Eagles 34-24. I think the defense is going to be able to create a few turnovers. We mentioned the pass rush. We mentioned the cornerbacks. Uh, I think there's going to be a, a chance for them to get a few turnovers, whether it's interception, strip sack. Uh, we, we've seen that from the Eagles in the Super Bowl recently. And while I think that the Chiefs are going to put up a good fight, I like the Eagles in this matchup. From top to bottom, I think they have the better roster. Now, Chiefs obviously have the better quarterback, but that's only one position out of all of them. So that, to me, was the determining factor, the quarterback, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to make this pick based on which quarterback I trust more to take care of the ball, but also make more plays at the end of the day. Now, listen, the Eagles might be able to run all over the Chiefs and this game's never close, and this pick looks terrible. But I just think that Patrick Mahomes, being back in this spot, knowing how hard it is to get back to the Super Bowl after losing the AFC title game last year, he's going to fully take advantage of it. And, like, listen, everything's come up roses for Jalen Hurts this season. He's been really good. The offense for the Eagles hasn't faced a lot of adversity. I think with Chris Jones and company tomorrow, with the way their young guys are playing so well, I think they are going to have some adversity for the Eagles tomorrow. I'm going Chiefs in an absolute classic 
34-32 in a shootout. The Kansas City Chiefs win. Sorry, Bills fans. I know you're probably rooting against uh, Patrick Mahomes and company. We're here inside Wingnuts offering us another amazing environment for our live show. The wings are great. The beers are great. They're going to have you hooked up tomorrow for game day. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. Final thought. Yeah, final thought. Get down here for the game tomorrow. Flights of beer, flights of wings can't go wrong. There you go. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll see you on Monday, 5 p.m. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.